0: Hello, and welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings toward our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. <laughs> Man, that was so bad, bad. Okay, we're continuing our read of A Storm of Swords this week with Jamie chapter six. Um, as usual, we have to give our blanket spoiler warning, spoilers for this show, spoilers for the books, and I think we need to throw in um, what has become almost our standard trigger warning for rape. There might be a little discussion of that in this episode. Um, I have with me two of the usual suspects. Um, Eon. Hey, this
1: is Eon. I'm Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr.
0: And YD. Hi, everyone. This is Yellow Delaney, and you can find me at Yellow Delaney at Tumblr. And we have a special returning guest who stepped in. You guys, I cannot tell you how last minute this was, like, actually a couple minutes ago. <laughs>
2: Glam. Hi, <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, this is Glam, and you can find me at Glamophonic at Tumblr.com.
0: Awesome. And we have a new guest who hasn't been on before,
3: Cora Lee. Hi, this is Cora, and I'm Cora Lee through the Looking Glass at Tumblr.
0: We are so happy to have you guys. Who's excited about this chapter, you guys? I'm so excited. <laughs> oh,
4: this I feel like it's, not much <laughs> happened in this chapter. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh it's, it's a really quiet oh, one. <laughs>
0: nothing. It's not nothing really at
4: really it's a James It's Sort embryon. of boring. It's, yeah. not a, it's not a shippy chapter, really.
0: We should have really combined it with another chapter. It's just not yeah. worthy of its own episode. Yeah. it was just
4: sponge- It was just full of filler.
0: Just filler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of filler. <laughs> 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 so I have um. Almost as usual now, asked YD to open us with a little bit of a reading, just the first paragraph of the chapter to kind of get us started. All right, here we go. Though his f- fever lingered stubbornly, the
4: stump was healing clean, and Kyburn said his arm was no longer in danger. Jamie was anxious to be gone, to put Harrenhal, the Bloody Mothers, and Brienne of Tarth all behind him. A real woman waited for him in the Red Keep.
0: Jamie oh god (laughs) oh jamie really a real woman (laughs) a real woman (laughs) that is like who is is, is he arguing with right It sounds like he's like in the middle of an argument (laughs) with someone
4: he (laughs) protest too
2: much Uh, he does (laughs) he does (laughs) yes (laughs) that is a really good uh way of put it that he's like constantly arguing with himself about brienne and how she's totally so unattractive and uninteresting and the worst. And he just wants to be with Cersei. Yeah,
0: yeah. if I could just get back to Cersei, everything would be wonderful. I wouldn't have all these confusing feelings.
4: He'd stop having these <laughs> troubling, awkward boners. I oh, love those boners. They'll cool
0: sneak up on you. They will. So, Jamie is getting ready to leave Harrenhal He is in the courtyard of Harrenhal Hall with uh Roose Bolton is also leaving the same day and um Roose is sending Kyburn with Jamie to keep an eye on his stomp I suppose and he's sending Steelshank's Walton to take care of the physical protection um and before Jamie leaves <laughs> you kind of get the feeling that that Jamie is really back to his full snark levels he decides to um well I guess we should say Roose first says, um, give give my regards to your father. And uh Jamie kinda goes, Haha. So long as you give mine to Rob Stark, and I think we all know that this is a moment that is going to come back to <laughs> haunt Jamie <Foreshadowing>. Lannister. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> the infamous Jamie Lannister sends his regards. I think Jamie's just joking. A lot of people try to like pin this on Jamie as him yeah. knowing what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, I or think being was, part of orchestrating the red wedding. Yeah, I but
1: think he's, he was just being snarky there and
2: just kind
0: it's of so like throwing away
1: at Rob Stark.
2: Yeah, he's obviously just being a little shit about the fact that obviously he's gotten away from Rob. Now he's like, <laughs> "Ha I'm going back to King's Landing. See you later." Wait, what do you
4: What do you mean, Glam? Jamie's never a little shit about anything. <laughs>
0: Jamie's just generally back to his full jackass self in this chapter. He Yay! Just- <laughs> <laughs> and part of that, he goes to say goodbye to the brave companions, the the bloody mummers, as he calls them. And he, he talks to each of them by name. He, like, calls out Zalo, who's the one who actually cut off his hand, and Pig and Timmy and Shagwell. And uh Rorge and and he actually tells them he's like yeah I'll I'll be back. O Lannister pays his debts. And it's <laughs> funny, there's a lot of foreshadowing in this. Um that is a debt that will be paid, although does Jamie pay it? Yeah, I, I really <laughs> love that. I love that. Yeah, it's great.
3: It's like a little so, kid sticking his tongue out at them. It totally yes. is. Yes.
0: Yeah, it's so Jamie. It's just Jamie being Jamie. <laughs> so we find out that Roos has let Jamie not only carry weapons, he's he's put him in um, chain mail. And... So cruel. <laughs> yeah, it is. He 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 says that. He's like, I'm like a joke because, mm. you know, I don't have my hand. I can't actually fight. You, you get this feeling that he just doesn't feel like a knight anymore. Well, you get um, the feeling
4: he just doesn't feel like himself anymore or that he's worth anything at all. He's... I mean, we've talked about this at length, I guess, previously. He's really been so dependent on his sword fighting skills, on his status as a knight. And now that it's been taken from him, he's just, you know, he's having an identity crisis.
0: He really is. And what's interesting here is that he notes that he is deliberately not wearing the sigil of his house or the sigil of the king's guard. Mm. Um, and he actually takes um, a shield with um, someone else's arms on it, oh, yeah. a defunct house that doesn't yes. exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he doesn't actually he specify,
4: actually, you know, he would be yes. no one's no one, yeah, no one's cousin, no one's one. enemy, no one's one sword, in sum no one.
0: Yeah, it's it's such a continuation of, like you said, YD of, of what he's been dealing with since he lost his hand, it's just, mm. it's like he doesn't know who he is. Yeah. Really he should listen to himself talk because he's clearly still Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I really love the shield that he was given, though, that, like, it's the Went, it's the Loston house. Yeah. And later on, that's the same shield that he gives to Brienne, and then in, whenever she's on her quest in A Feast for Crows, some people are giving her hell about this, the, the sigil on the shield, because mm-hmm. it's a cursed house, and yeah. I was actually looking into House Loston and it really is, like, a cursed house, because, like, the men of the house had a very bad the whole family had a horrible reputation. Like, the men were known to do really dark deeds. And there was this Lady Danielle Lawson that was said to send giant bats out to capture children for their cook pots. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was also possibly the same mad Lady Lawson that was said to bathe in blood and feasted on
4: flesh. Is this Westeros wow.
3: urban legend? I was
4: going to say. It's <laughs> like a yeah.
0: yeah.
3: Pennsylvania Westeros. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Maybe they're related to Vampire Bruce.
0: Totally. <laughs> yeah, leave it to Jamie to grab this coat of arms. <laughs> so Jamie is off and as we have heard him say he is very happy to be off and he even thinks to himself, oh if if I hurry I can get back to Cersei, maybe I can make it in time for Joffrey's wedding. Mm. <laughs> which is funny
4: well he does seem to really urgently want to get back to Cersei which I guess is a little interesting considering what happens a bit later on in
0: the chapter <laughs> yeah it is it is but he is really committed I mean he has been we know he doesn't want to get back to Cersei he really does yeah and um he begins this journey away from Hall, and it's funny it's just like he's having deja vu he's basically reenacting a, a journey that he um, made right after he was um, made a member of the Kingsguard mm-hmm. at the kind of infamous um, tourney at Hall when he was, I think he was 15, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy young. So he's he's passing places that he passed on that journey, and he's just generally kind of, um, you can just kind of feel him getting melancholy, and he has this sort of reminiscence about Um, how Aerys basically made a fool of him by adding, you know, making him a member of the Kingsguard and then sending him away, not even letting him participate in the tournament. And you get the feeling that Jaime really thought, even though we know that he um, agreed to have Cersei make sure that he got put in the Kingsguard,
4: Mm. you
0: get the feeling that Jaime really thought that he was getting that appointment because he'd earned it or he deserved it. And mm-hmm. um, Eris just kind of, like, rips that away right away and tells him no, you know, like, doesn't tell him in so many words, but basically makes mm. it clear I did this to stick it to Tywin. Yeah, yeah.
4: I mean, I mean, you think not even one day in the King's Garden, Jamie's idea was a kind of crushing down around <laughs> yeah. him. Like, he realizes, you know, Ares didn't appoint him for, I guess, what he thought was his amazing sword fighting ability, <laughs> but it was merely <laughs> to spite Tywin, you know, to take away his heir. So Jamie, I guess from the very beginning, has felt this real bitterness, and I don't know. Yeah. I feel really, poor Jamie. I feel really awful for his I entire storyline. He's such he a. He's,
2: oh yeah, he he was just so young too. He's just, yeah. he's just a baby.
4: And, and yeah, like, you know he's. Oh. He still stayed by his king despite all of this, and he guarded him as best he could despite everything that he then mm-hmm. went on to witness.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, poor it's baby. like this strange mix of arrogance and innocence, though. Yeah. Because he thinks yeah, he's he amazing, but yeah. even <laughs> if he was, he's still there as a pawn to be moved around by Eris whenever Eris wanted. Yeah, so yes. he's been taken from his father moving him around to mm. somebody else who's trying to get one over on his father.
4: Well, that's a good point. He's in a strange position. He's he's never Mm -hmm. really had a lot of autonomy in his actions, has he? Because as you say, he's sort of gone from being under his father's thumb to to under
3: heiress. He's under Cersei's thumb a little bit as well.
4: Oh, a little bit, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) A little bit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... Jamie's in a weird headspace. I don't know how else to describe it. Even though he's been very kind of um, introspective and melancholy throughout his chapters, there's something about the feel of him um, at, in in these moments as he's traveling away from Heron Harrenhal. Uh, you do sense that he really is just kind of combing back through his life and going, Ugh, where did it all go wrong? And you get the <laughs> sense he feels like it started at Harrenhal. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so, I, I think it's really interesting that all these things he's thinking about up till he lays his head down, it's reflected in his dream.
3: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. All yeah of this it is really guilt.
1: Is. I mean, just all of this guilt and just insecurities. It it's yeah. all in his dream.
3: All the vows that he's taken and broken yes. and, yeah. and also he just thought he would be
4: Again, the huge reliance on his sword hand. I think he says maybe Three or four times throughout his dream, you know, I'll be okay. If I just have, I just need a sword. If I have a sword, it will be okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh God! Yeah. So, still on the road, Kyburn um, comes up to have a talk with Jamie, and kind of, you get kind of a feeling that Kyburn is is fawning a little bit and is trying to ingratiate himself with Jamie. Um, and Kyburn. <laughs> um kind of asked jamie uh, you know hey did someone come to see you last night and we find out that the night before jamie had a visit from pia pretty pia who mm. we know um before this from Arya's povs who is someone who lives at a heron hall she's a servant um and basically Pia was sent to sleep with Jamie <laughs> the night before. A little gift from Kyber. <laughs> well, yeah, the, doing the kind everything. of gift that men give one another in Westeros. Yeah. What, what wonderful guys! Mm. Gosh. Ah, yeah. 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 Um. Sorry, go ahead. Was someone talking? I missed it. No, no, you go. You go. To no. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Kybern sent Pia to Jamie, and it's interesting because. Pia talks to Jamie about when she was a little girl and when he was made a member of the Kingsguard at Hall. She's lived there her entire life. She remembers those moments and she tells him how she's always dreamed that men she was with were Jamie. You know, we know Jamie's very handsome, famously so.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's interesting because you kind of get the feeling that Jamie was reminded the night before by Pia Of, you know, just what a big moment it was and just how high the expectations were for him. And to think that Pia has remembered her entire life when she had seen Jamie before and she's like excited to get the chance to sleep with him. So you kind of get an idea of what may have triggered Jamie to begin thinking some of these thoughts that he has already been thinking. It's like he he can't get away from this. And not only that, but I think Jamie got a little bit excited as well
4: because he, um, you know, he, <laughs> Jamie, has to, he had to keep reminding himself that he has a woman already, he says. Yeah. And it's funny, he I did. guess there's a little bit of an indication of a shift in Jamie's perspective in relation to women and his relationship with Cersei here already that we start to see, sort of already starting to feel attraction to other women, whereas it seems from what we've heard from Jamie before, that that's not something that he's really felt before. It's always just been very single-mindedly Cersei.
0: I don't know if I would say that he's never felt it before so much as he's just never been tempted to follow through on it. Well,
4: yeah, that's right. Because he basically, he sort of indicates he had to restrain himself here.
0: Yeah. He actually yeah, he actually does. He says it was hard to send her away after she yeah. said these things that kinda of stroked his ego and reminded him of his youth. Yeah. Yeah. But he a- did send her away because of course he has to remind himself he has a woman. Yet again he's having this mm. argument with <laughs> someone argument in his head. With He has the a
4: an- woman to get back
3: to. <laughs> Is there not an Sorry, element ahead, here? No, it's it's okay. Is there not an element here of Pierre being told to stroke his ego though? because that's how I I read it yeah I did a little bit Um, I mean I don't know with Qyburn being in Harrenhal for a long time is this something he does I mean does he send he does mention it later on I mean is there not an element there that she's saying what Jamie wants to hear
4: I mean yes I know that there is this uh, habit, I guess, of (laughs) Kyburn to send women (laughs) uh, in this way. But I feel like, I don't know, it just, it seemed very genuine to me. And I think, um, yeah, I don't know. To me, to me, it struck me as genuine what she was saying. And we do know that, yes, Jamie was, is very attractive and I'm sure that, you know, when Pia was a young girl and she saw this uh, golden knight she probably she probably did have those feelings towards him. But yeah, I mean it, it's a possibility
0: that uh, that she was sort of fed what to say. Yeah, well clearly she does remember Jamie because I don't well, think Kyburn would necessarily yeah. know what Jamie had looked like at fifteen or what <laughs> yeah. had happened at the Heron Hall You saw yeah. yeah. his Facebook photos. Yeah, <laughs> but that's an interesting point. Maybe maybe that is part of it.
2: I, I um, do I think it was genuine just because I feel like uh, a bit of a key here is I think that what sort of arouses Jamie there is the idea that she sort of genuinely kind of thinks that he's, you know, this sort of amazing, knightly, you know, uh, specimen of a man and everything. Yeah. And he's yeah, sort
4: specimen. Of, he, he, yeah, you know, that, and obviously that's the thing that's kind of really important to Jamie. You know, well, the- and, and no, that's, I think that's exactly right. I mean, we just we were just saying, you know, Jamie's having this identity crisis now. To him, he's always needed to be the shining knight and to have this woman mm. then come on to him and basically feed him all this <laughs> all this praise about how knightly and, and beautiful and strong he was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hot, how hot he was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She'd hit that. She wanted to hit that.
1: <laughs> she did. You know, I have heard the argument about... Um, so I've heard this argument that was saying that Jamie pays is just attracted. he's attracted to Pia just as much as he's attracted to Brienne. He pays the same <laughs> amount of attention. Have you heard that before?
4: Uh I, I actually have, have not, heard that. Yeah. I have yeah. not heard that. <laughs> yeah,
1: but I mean um. he describes her as, you know, a pretty little thing.
4: But I mean, right, but that's pretty much the extent of it, whereas yeah, with Brienne, right. it is constant commentary about her body in a very <laughs> sexual manner. <laughs> well,
0: He great. will he will spend time with Pia again. I that think is we true. We will see a little physical attraction for Pia again later on. But, but yeah, no, I I don't think you can quite <laughs> <laughs> compare. Can compare the two. Only when starts comparing Pia
4: to Cersei, will that be a thing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: He doesn't seem to give her that much thought, <laughs> yeah. or he probably would. <laughs> right. So Jamie says to Kyburn, oh, so do you send girls to everybody? And and Kyburn goes, well, it's actually Vargo that sends them to me. I have to examine his women <laughs> because mm. he loved unwisely, which is, I guess, just code for STD. Yeah, <laughs> it's, <a voice laughs> STD. it's
4: code for syphilis.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the clap. Yeah. The clap, yeah. <laughs> Vargo loved unwisely, so Kyburn has to kind of vet his women apparently. Aww. And so Kyburn slips in here, you know, kind of to reassure Jamie. He says, P is quite healthy. And Kyburn says, As is your maid of Tarth. Mm. And Jamie seems disturbed and yeah. he
2: Yeah. He's like, Brian.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. I love it. Because I just have this, this sort of mental image of them riding around and suddenly
0: just does like this double take. Like, wait, wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? It's a sharp look or something. Yeah. Yeah. It gives him a sharp look. Yeah. And Kybern basically proceeds to tell Jamie that he's done a pelvic exam on Brienne, which I think most of us assume was probably not consensual. Yeah.
3: Lord um, Barry, and Jamie's confirmed
0: booklet. that her maidenhood head, sorry, is intact as of the night before. And, um, Jamie is like wondering why, why, why did you need to do this? And, uh, Qyburn says, you know, Vargo wanted to make sure she was okay. And Jamie's like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, you mean, does her dad want to make sure she's a maiden because of the ransom or something? And Kyburn says, you know basically makes it clear that uh the ransom offer that they'd received from Selwyn Tarth wasn't enough and Vargo wasn't going to accept it and it was for STD vetting I guess we could say Mm. that's the reason that Vargo did the examination on Brienne so this is for me personally this has always been one of the more difficult things to read and I don't know if it's just because I love Brienne so much but reading this passage is just like oh god
3: yeah yeah
4: I totally agree with you it's uh it's pretty distressing um and obviously Jamie finds it very distressing too despite the fact that he tries to tell himself that you know my lies spared you for a while Brienne so you know she should be grateful for that much but then Jamie being Jamie tries to uh soothe himself by making jokes about how, you know, if Brienne's maidenhead is as, as uh, sort of tough as she is, then Hope <laughs> will uh, have some difficulty <laughs> with, you know, raping her and might, you know, he's, I think he says he'll break his cock off trying to get in. Yeah. Um, which yeah. is, you know, it's such a Jamie thing to say. And he's obviously highly disturbed and trying to make jokes because that's what Jamie
0: does. Yeah. You do get that feeling that he is kind of trying to play it off. Mm. Um, definitely, he's full jackass, Jamie, um, as we were talking about earlier, because mm. the yeah he says some really tough things to hear here, but you do you do get the impression that he's he's like almost hopeful that she will kill Hote. Oh, rather nice. than oh absolutely, nice. it's like he
2: he he sort of starts off like it, it it irritates him, and then you know he just kind of kind of talks himself into you know. First, he sort of gets scared because, like, oh, she resists too much. Then Hope may, like, start chopping off her limbs. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> but why should I yeah. care? I don't care about that, obviously. Um, but then he just sort of talks himself into the idea that, like, you know, maybe she'll just actually just, like, kill Hope because she's so strong and, and, and yeah. everything.
4: Kind of grasping at straws. And it would be so yeah. great
2: if that happened. And, yeah. It, it, uh, trying yeah. to
3: com- Yeah, go ahead. He's trying to um, himself. Yeah, yeah. that was what I was about to say. (laughs) He's trying to comfort himself that he's left her to this. And the fact that he didn't think about it beforehand. um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's definite guilt there. Yeah, you do feel some guilt. You can tell that it's nagging at him. Well, actually, he immediately... Like, the next paragraph, and he spends some time, like, rationalizing in his head how Brienne is going to get through this rape stuff. he, He actually... Um, says that Kyburn's companionship is wearing thin and he, and he rides away from him. And you, you just mm. get the sense that he's just not happy about anything that he's just heard. No. Yeah, I um,
4: feel like, you know, it, it's a sort of uh, physical thing. He's trying to put distance between himself and what he's just heard and the idea of Brienne being raped and, I guess, potentially murdered as well.
0: Yeah. Well, he clearly is. And it's funny because he seems to sink a little bit further into kind of... Um, his own feelings of, of worthlessness and and what is he now, because he begins to think um, perhaps triggered by the thing about what, what Brian's father was willing to offer as a ransom. He actually thinks about what his father would pay as ransom for him now that he doesn't have a hand. And he kind of begins to think about, you know, how tough Tywin can be. And he actually thinks to himself, you know, I'm a cripple now. I'm, I'm not going to be worth as much to him. Yeah. And, He was already down and low, but he seems to get even (laughs) more down as he kind of goes through this. And he continues to pass things that he saw, you know, when he was a kid after he was sent away from hair and all. And he actually passes an inn where the innkeeper had said he would tell his grandkids that a member of the Kingsguard had been there. And and Jamie goes, I'll bet he was too ashamed to tell them that he had had me there, you know, and you just feel that he he's really i don't know not in good headspace for jamie and this is you know after chapter four of jamie that's saying a lot (laughs) yeah um so yeah jamie ends up settling down for the night um kyburn gives him some dream wine because you kind of get the feeling that he's not feeling so well and he Decides that he would like to dream of Cersei. Although it's interesting, you know, before he goes to sleep, he thinks about how if Brienne had been there, she would have made him eat something first. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I really like that. Yeah, I do too. It his makes protector. it clear.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> She is his protector. I thought it was interesting that he, you know
1: he has a bear skin, a rolled up bear skin. <laughs> yeah. he, he does. <laughs> he Good point, Eon.
0: Yeah, yeah. He he goes to sleep on a rolled up bear skin against a stump for a pillow, mm. and. He goes to sleep, and it's like he suddenly wakes up in his dream. And in his dream, he seems to know that he's at Casterly Rock. He's in the caverns below Casterly Rock. And there are figures around him, and he has his hand back, as we see that he always has in dreams. And the figures actually have spears and they kind of are driving him deeper into the ground and he doesn't want to go and he senses that there's something bad lurking below and they keep pushing him downward and they push him over a ledge and he lands in some water and on some sand and he looks up and he is surrounded by, um, he describes it I think as all the Lannister's Ever. Yeah, I think he talks <laughs> about the
4: voices of of the Lannisters. Yeah. Well, yeah
1: he,
4: he does. He
1: specifically mentions his father, Cersei, and yeah. Joffrey, but yes. um, Tyrion is not mentioned whatsoever in this. Or no, his
4: there's mom. No, there's or no, there's mom. no, there's no mom. Tyrion. There's no Joanna. There's no Marcella yeah. or Tommen.
3: Janice. Of-
0: yeah, Janet um, Yeah, and and none none of he has a couple of uncles that you get the impression he was close to who have died, and he doesn't seem to see them. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, just, yeah, it's yeah, really—it's a really time. sort of,
4: yeah, it's a really sort of foreboding atmosphere, I think. And Jamie, I think I don't know if we mentioned—he's naked in his dream.
0: Oh, he is naked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's, I forget to mention that. Yeah, oh, dear he's God, naked, he's naked. He's,
4: yeah. <laughs> Good God, Jamie's naked, and we forgot to talk about it. You know, like
1: naked—naked <laughs> naked implies vulnerability. I mean, yeah, he's I alone. Say, he's, loneliness. He's and surrounded by he, enemies. He feels unsafe.
4: Yeah, basically he's been stripped bare here. There's this, I think he mentions about this immense weight of Casterly Rock hanging over him. The walls are closing in. There's this terrifying abyss ahead of him. And you really get the sense here that despite being at Casterly Rock and being home, Jamie doesn't feel at home. He doesn't feel comfortable. So, I mean, I don't know that could perhaps indicate some sort of foreshadowing with the rift with his family that's to come. I think um, so that maybe Jamie's plus. refusal to become the heir to Castle Rock. Nah, I mean, he was nah. just thinking about how how time would no longer see his worth now that he's handless. So, yeah, it's it's quite an interesting interesting sort of part of the dream there, the way he feels about his family and about Castle Rock. Yeah. What were
0: you saying, Eon?
1: Oh, I mean, definitely, I mean, just feeling the weight and just feeling pressed in, um, I think it's indicative of how he's refusing to give up the Kingsguard and become the true heir to Casterly Rock and return to it. Um, I think, you know, symbolically, it's showing how his um, family relationships are suffering on his return. It's going to foreshadow that.
0: Yeah, it, it does seem to be really specific about the Lannisters that he sees. He only names three of them. Yes. Mm. Um, Um. So it's interesting, though. He seems to have heard the voices all speaking as one. Um, He asks, what place is this? And they all answer together and say, your place. Mm. This place, this dark place beneath the rock. Um, And he, of course, sees Joffrey, Cersei, and Tywin there. And he speaks to Cersei. And he says, sister, why has father brought us here? And Cersei responds, us, this is your place, brother. This is your darkness. Mm. And Cersei's holding a torch, and he describes it as the only light in the cavern. Her torch, torch was the only light in the world. And then she turns to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you kind of get the impression that all of the figures are leaving with her, but it's hard to know. Mm. So... This is one of those lines <laughs> you see thrown around a lot in fandom about her light being the only light in the world. Right. Um, does anyone have thoughts <laughs> about well,
4: that? Well, <laughs> I think o- only that, you know, you need to take that with the next sentence, which is she turned she to, turns go, to go, and well, then she then leaves him. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, Xerxes, I mean, for Jamie, Xerxes, she kind of like evokes some of the most powerful and pungent emotions from Jamie in his narrative, like she's a goal, she's a mirror, a desire, a childhood, a, a person to protect. She's in many ways his everything for a time. Um, she's being the one yeah. to dictate his life. That makes
4: sense. Yeah, I totally the most agree important. And it's like you know, yeah. she, her light was the only light in the world for him. But you know, right. then we get her leaving him. So we've got Cersei initially being his entire world and then all of a sudden cue someone else coming in <laughs> yeah
0: yes um, she is leaving and he is begging her to stay don't, don't leave me here alone don't leave me in the dark and then finally he says uh, give me a sword at least mm. and for the first time we hear Tywin talk and Tywin says I gave you a sword And Jamie finds it at his feet under this water that he's standing in. And um, he says something about, what is it he says? Something about uh, nothing can hurt me when I have a sword or Mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah, Yeah, something to that effect. So I'm going to go ahead and ask now. I probably should wait till the end of the dream. There are many interpretations of this dream. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Some people take it as just a dream, a dream that anyone would have. But of course, in Song of Ice and Fire, we see prophetic dreams, Um, we even see dreams that are sent to people through the weirwoods. So what do we think, I mean, what do you guys think? What is your read on this dream? I think
4: it's a prophetic dream. I think we later come to find out that he's probably been resting on a weirwood stump tree which Mm is, as we know, know, linked to prophetic stuff. So look, a lot of stuff that happens in this dream actually then comes to pass. Absolutely. Like the sword, uh, like the sword Tywin, the sword. you know, he asked Tywin for a sword, Tywin gives him a sword, and then obviously he gives him Oathkeeper later. Um, mm-hmm. Are we are we just now discussing the whole dream? <laughs> 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 like, we're not doing chronologically, we're just going to be talking about it in
0: the dream? Or <laughs> if, there, if there's something you want to say about it. I think it's interesting with the sword, because the sword is the first thing that we see that we yeah. we really know for sure will happen. Um, and it is interesting, you know, there is kind of a distinction with the dreams. Some some people do have prophetic dreams. Some people do dream the things that will happen. They tend to be Targaryens, although we see a little bit of it with other people. Bran Stark, for instance, has some prophetic dreams, although you really mm. get the impression they're sent to him by Bloodraven. Yes. Um. So the question is: is, is this destiny? Do you think... <laughs> Well, I mean, like, <laughs> you go ahead, Graham. I think he wouldn't have had
2: him fall asleep on a weirwood stump and have this very involved dream <laughs> that clearly seems to mirror a lot of stuff that happened and then be like, oh, no, it was just a dream. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean,
4: I guess you could sort of argue perhaps, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that sort of happens could have already been in Jamie's subconscious. The, the rift with his family is already feeling. Um, sort of out of place with his family, the rift with Cersei, even. But mm-hmm. you can't really pre- you can't really sort of predict Tywin giving him a sword, or no. you know. <laughs> so I, you know, I tend to lean towards prophetic as well.
2: I mean even if it's an even if you want to think it's not prophetic like in in a in a uh intertextual level mm. it's clearly foreshadowing on a meta level so Oh yeah. Either absolutely. way. <laughs>
4: absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well Either that's way. the thing. Doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <No>. Basically <laughs> yeah. The dream is
2: is what's going to happen and yeah, you see that yeah. pretty immediately so Yeah.
0: So in the dream after he gets the sword Jamie is is pulls the sword out of the water and the sword is lit there's flame on the sword Mm. and it's the only light that is now left for him this flame on the sword and then as his family's leaving him he hears a splash behind him and he turns around and finds brienne and brienne is of course naked (laughs) oh (laughs) of course (laughs) i worked that
4: it doesn't mean anything though no, of course
0: not. <laughs> so. Normal just, stuff.
4: Normal just stuff. two bros hanging out. <laughs> naked.
0: He has seen her naked, so maybe it's just fresh in his mind. <laughs> <body. laughs> this
1: is this is his guilt for leaving her, she's naked because you know he figures she's vulnerable. She's in hair and all
4: hair yeah. and all. She's yeah.
1: captured. There's that's all, she that's true, changed. but I
4: think there's definitely a sexual aspect, and yeah. you can tell well, with some of the language used. I think there are
0: about yeah. fifty aspects to it. Yeah. <laughs> So for some reason, Brienne's hands are bound with chains and she asks Jamie to set her free. And he kind of like somehow cuts these chains with his sword. And then she asks him for a sword. And suddenly there is one and she puts it on and um, her sword uh, lights up as well. Mm-hmm. So they both have flaming swords. And um, we get a pretty famous thought from Jamie at this point. And it does seem to be a thought of his that he's having. So it's kind of independent of, um, a thought being fed to him by anyone else. If this was prophetic or a provided dream. And he thinks to himself, um, in this light, she could almost be a beauty in this light. She could almost be a knight." And, uh, he hears Cersei call from the distance as she's walking away. And she says, the flames will burn so long as you live. And when they die, so must you. And he really doesn't want Cersei to go (laughs) and he's calling out for her. And, um, she seems to still be leaving and he looks at Brienne again. And then he notices that she has more of a woman's shape Mm. and Brienne starts to become concerned about what is in the cave. And she's like, what's down here? Is it a lion, dire wolves, a bear? And Jamie says it's doom only doom. So it's interesting. The three animals, that Brienne throws yeah. out.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lion, Lannister, Direwolf, Stark, um, yeah. bear could be the bloody mummers.
0: Yeah. I think the bear is the literal bear. She's <laughs> the literal yeah. a literal yeah. bear. It's Shadow. <laughs> yeah.
4: So can we, can we talk about the, uh, the line that you just quoted? She could almost be a beauty. Almost I be hope we that. do. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, look, <laughs> it, it is an iconic line amongst the to Jamie-Brienne fandom for a reason. Um, and I think you also need to take it alongside Jamie now saying that he sees Brienne as having a more womanly shape, which clearly is not because it's actually true. She obviously hasn't changed physical form, but you'd see it more as a reflection of Jamie's growing attraction to her. Yeah. Um, and I think in the same vein, Jamie thinks of Brienne as almost a knight because – you know, she's she's obviously not a real knight or a literal knight, but you know he sees her as almost one because he increasingly now sees her as sort of his partner in crime, someone who's skilled with a sword. She's loyal. She's honourable. Someone, I guess, who he sees as a true knight, who is worthy of respect. So, I guess that's the the almost a knight part, uh, and almost a beauty. Well. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I think it's funny, it's, it's, I guess it's funny here that you, you sort of had Jamie again conflating, fucking and fighting, he really does <laughs> see them together, and I think an ideal woman for Jamie would be someone who is, who is someone who is strong, someone who can fight, but also someone who has that softer womanly aspect, so it seems to be all coming together here for Jamie.
0: <laughs> all coming together.
4: <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 I heard it. <laughs>
0: so, oh my goodness. So they both are feeling kind of foreboding about what's going on. And um, Brienne actually offers to help him follow Cersei. She says something about he can climb up on her shoulders. Mm. And... Um,
4: you think that's sort of indicative of Jamie seeing Bri- Brienne as his support? System now. I mean, he's yes, she's literally yeah. saying, "Climb up on my shoulders. You can. You, I'll save you if you just, you know, lean on me."
0: You know, I look at this as possibly a foreshadowing that maybe In- there will be an opportunity where he could climb on Brand' shoulders and and still have Cersei. Well, did- and have to make that choice. And I did, don't know.
1: did you notice whenever he thought about climbing up to Cersei, he gets a boner? And then he's very ashamed of it because he doesn't want Brienne <laughs> yeah. to see. I think yeah, like, he does. Yeah. that shows that he's like, I think he's ashamed of his relationship with his sister.
2: It is extremely it significant is, to me that he, yeah. you know, was like, "Oh no, I have to sort of." Turn away so Brienne can't see this because this is a man who insists in his waking hours that he has never been ashamed of loving Cersei. But yes, you know, Absolutely. here he is in this dream in front of Brienne, and he clearly, specifically, does not want Brienne to see. He doesn't want her to 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 know. And
0: yeah, and it doesn't feel like shame so much as hiding it from Brienne. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I get sort of both aspects. I get it. it's.
2: Uh, Brienne seeing it makes him ashamed, I feel.
0: Yeah.
4: yeah I think they are to tied together. It's, yeah. it's very
0: much tied together.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, oh, and he also makes another observation about Brienne being warm when she touches him at this point.
4: <laughs> he does. He trembles
2: at
0: her he touch. He trembles
4: when she touches god, him. Yeah.
0: Oh god. He's got it so bad. He does. It's he does. Pretty hilarious. So we see two riders come riding in the darkness and Jamie's like, what are people on horses doing down here? It it doesn't even make sense to him. And he has this kind of sense that one of them is Ned Stark. um, And the other one he can't see. Um, And behind these two first riders come five more riders. And these five, he knows for certain. He seems to be sure that they are his dead brothers of the Kingsguard. The ones who died during Robert's Rebellion. And we get kind of a really spooky scene here where yeah. these guys all start confronting Jaime with his failed oaths and his, his failure to protect not only Eris but Rhaegar's children and Rhaegar's wife, Ilya Martel. Um, it kind of feels like the, the culmination of, of the entire day that Jamie had before this, his whole journey away from Harrenhal. Uh, obviously at this point, you really have to wonder how much of this is foreshadowing um, how much of this is his subconscious haunting him. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you guys have any, foreshadowing predictions from this or well i think that the key thing here is
2: basically that jamie is being surrounded here by sort of the specters of this the broken oaths um and it's extremely explicit that as they start to be like you know you you let you know you you were killing your king you let the children die and and, and he, he's trying to defend himself sort of a very in a very it's it's not his typical bravado or anything like that he's just like i, I didn't think i didn't think he would hurt them I, I was with the king and he's just sort of struggling to try to defend himself here and as he's doing this the light on his sword is burning out yes. and explicitly as as this happens as they sort of completely overwhelm him it, it the lights completely go out, and of course, then only Brienne's uh, sword is still burning uh, in the darkness. And um I, I think that that is just very, very obviously a reference to the idea that Jamie is going to have to either, I mean, you can make an argument for it being a very uh, real world physical thing or even or a spiritual thing but he's gonna have to sort of confront all of all of that all of all of the sort of oaths that he's broken and choices that he's made and when it comes down to it brienne is going to be his i think salvation um when that happens i think that's what i think it, it for ourselves.
1: yes and also i mean there's a part where xerxes talking about whenever his flame goes out He's going he's pretty much going to die and usually in dreams whenever you dream about dying um, it's usually it, it indicates going through so, a sort of trans a transcendental phase in your life going through a huge change mm-hmm. and that's what I think this is really it's it's Jamie facing that he's gonna have to make some changes he needs to find his honor
0: I love how real this feels you know I- I think a lot of people have had those dreams where it's like, you're trying to accomplish something and you just can't make it happen. And he's trying to explain himself and like, no one will listen. They Mm -hmm. just keep coming at him. Mm. And the flame on his sword is starting to die. Um, It just feels so real. I mean, like you kind of do get a real sense of his terror as this is happening. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting how this is a guy who's never been afraid to die but this is where his fear comes in when he's confronted with these these failures. Mm-hmm. And he seems to feel that they're his failures too, particularly yeah. when it comes to um, Ilya and um, her children. Yeah, mm-hmm. You kind of sense that he, he feels that. So yes, as Glenn said, the, the, the light on his sword slowly flickers out and dies and only Brienne's remains. And it says that the ghosts come rushing in um, and then suddenly he's waking up, you know, as you do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Terrified. Can I, can I just say
3: Pretty something? Clear. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I, I love the dream because it feels like these are the people he's respected the most in his life. So you've got mm-hmm. Arthur Day in there who obviously knighted him and he kind of, well, I get the idea that he kind of idolized Arthur a little bit. And you've got mm-hmm. Rhaegar and Ned who he maybe didn't particularly like, but Ned had honor and he could see that. So he's facing all these people who who have so much honour and that's sort of taking away from what, what he had, what he's done. He tried to save a city and try to keep that. But in the process of doing that, it's kind of stripped him of everything he was trying to be. And then you've got Brienne, who's got a similar kind of honour, and she's the only one who's going to stand with him. And I really, I mean, it's not a complete analysis of it but i really like that idea yeah
0: yeah i agree it's clear that she is an ally with him in in basically his core concepts of honor the ones that he has abandoned (laughs) but but they are still there and they seem to be kind of firing back to life that seems to be kind of what we're seeing here
4: there really is that focus on them being a team yet again you have them i think you know, after everyone leaves, after Cersei leaves, it really is just Jamie and Brienne for a while. Um, and I think, I don't, I don't know what the exact quote was. Oh, no, I've got it here. So it says, their blades made a little island of light, but all around them stretched a sea of darkness unending. Um, so you get this impression that it's, it's really just the two of them with their lights, then surrounded by darkness. And you see how Jamie sort of really views them as as a partnership now, it's their own little team against the darkness, against the world. Um, which I don't know, I just I really like that. I found that really lovely. I like
0: that too. And you know, I forgot to grab it when we were in the middle of it. I meant to. Yeah, I, I was hoping but, you to know, come back. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a, a minute where um, Brienne says something about why have they brought us here.
3: Mm. And you kind
0: of get the impression that she just had gone through exactly what he had. She's not just support in his dream. Yes. It almost feels like she's been forced over this ledge the same way that he was and landed in this place where he did as well. And mm-hmm. you kind of get this feeling that they're both in the same predicament. Yeah, they're in and it of- together.
3: Yeah. And then and you've got con- a yeah. trust- oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've got a contrasting with Cersei saying that it's his place yeah exactly
2: <laughs> like you know why have they brought us here and but and he when he says that to cersei she's like us no this is you bro
0: yeah, yeah all yeah. you
2: <laughs> yeah i'm out of here
0: <laughs> yeah i think it's great it's a good um you know we talk a lot about uh how you kind of have to read Feast and come back with Brian's POV to read these chapters and really mm. completely flesh her out. But you can see that Martin was really trying to do that here. He really was trying to say no, no, she she's having her own story <laughs> in her own yeah, right. <laughs> she's standing here beside you. She's not just, you know, a crutch. She's not a supporting character. No, yeah. she's not. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Jamie wakes up and he's terrified. He's he's fevered. And you know he must be scared because he like actually talks to Kyburn and is like, "Okay, what was this?" He's like, "Do you believe in ghosts?" <laughs> and you get this weird story from Kybern
4: it's, it's actually a really <laughs> lovely quote. It just it's creepy because it comes from Kybern. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. He talks. Yeah, he talks about. uh, you know, once when he was at the Citadel he um he went into an an empty room and there was a, an empty chair there, and he knew that there had been a woman sitting in that chair moments before, and he talks about the cushion on the chair being dented, where she'd sat on it, and the cushion of the um, being warm, and that her scent lingered in the air and he says. If we leave our smells behind us when we leave a room, surely something of our souls must remain when we leave this life. Which Ooh. is really quite poetic. But yeah. unfortunately, coming from kybern it is just <laughs> kind of creepy. Yeah.
0: It's creepy. Yeah, he, he can make anything creepy, basically. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, but oddly, after kybern tells him this, kind of confirms that maybe kybern does believe in ghosts, I think is yeah. what he's trying to say. Yeah, Jamie... Who has noticed, I know Eon you're going to want to bring this up, Jamie actually noticed when he woke up that he had slept on a white stump that reminded him of the heart tree at Winterfell. So there does seem a really strong indication that he did fall asleep on a weirwood. Yeah. 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 Which who, who the hell knows what that means. (laughs)
1: i mean you could argue that the weirwood stump is dead
4: because it's it's just a stump well that's true
0: i think blood raven says something though about even even if a tree is dead even when it's first starting like you, you can still see through them i think they're still part of the weirwood net or whatever we call it
4: so maybe it was partially
0: prophetic it could have been Bloodraven. We really don't know.
4: Yeah, well, yeah, it
1: was just working on a couple bars of bandwidth that night. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you really we don't, don't that know. That? That's the thing about this scene, this dream. And I have read so much meta about this dream. I can't even, um, and definitely not. Most of it's not shippery. Um, you know, the the interpretations yes. of this dream just run the gamut. You know, you oh, get yeah. everything from you know, Jamie and Cersei are secret Targaryen things yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard, I, yeah, I've heard, I, heard yeah. that one. There is
4: an insane amount <laughs> of theories. It really, there really are. And I know not a lot of them are shippery, but you really can't – I mean, I don't know, maybe it's because I am a shipper, but you really can't ignore just how, uh, I don't know, there's just so much romantic and sexual <laughs> – I guess subtext in this dream mm -hmm. I mean you've got you know it's really reflective of Jamie's growing feelings for Brienne and how she's kind of slotting into the spot that I guess we find out will soon be vacated by Cersei and how mm -hmm. important Brienne is becoming to him you know she's uh, like I said, it's both sexual and romantic. She she's also there with him as a partner. She's also naked. She's in chains, which you know I know it can indicate that she may need saving or it's like very ha-
1: Dredford right there.
4: <laughs> yeah, but and also the way the way that it talks yeah. about Jamie freeing her from her chains. I think they say it's part, he parted, or they parted like silk, which yeah. <laughs> again to me seems quite sexual. Um, you know, he makes mention of the Jeez. fact.
0: I never she's, thought of that one.
4: <laughs> she's strong and tall but she has a more womanly shape. She's warm as we mentioned before and she really is the light in his darkness. She's his protector, she's his savior. So yeah, you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm going to say straight up like when people get to this chapter into these particular events and are like somehow take no kind of romantic or sexual sort of yeah. Subtext from it with regard to Jamie and Brienne, I can't take it seriously because it's, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> it's just, it's right there. It's you don't, right
4: there.
2: You don't it's write right this kind of thing. Mm-mm.
4: No. And we mentioned, we mentioned, we talked about your your post on Jamie Brienne online. I think uh, I don't know if it was last week or the week before about how <laughs> there's just this mounting evidence towards Jamie's. Changing feelings towards Brienne and how he's he is viewing her in a sexual and a romantic way, it's not just you know an incident here and there. It's not just a mention here and there of you know her shoulders or her eyes or whatever. There's like this huge repository now of of it's Jamie's constant thoughts of
3: constant Brienne.
4: References. Yeah, it is constant and it is blatant.
2: And it's just, it, you can't, you can't ignore it because it's, you know, it's not like this is and just yet. happening <laughs> on its own.
4: Yeah, like, well, that's right. He, he, They're not isolated incidents. This is, this no. is how Jamie feels now. This is what he's thinking
0: all
2: the
4: time.
0: All, all the time. That damn wench, she's just in the middle of everything now. Yes. Yeah, just he somehow. He doesn't know why, but
4: she's there. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. He
0: <laughs> really doesn't. because He really doesn't. And so, you know, in that vein... Um, as he is, you know, talking to Kyburn about the ghosts and everything, it's funny. He really isn't thinking about what we're about to see him do. He actually doesn't think about it in his head at all. Mm-hmm. All no. we see is him um, speaking to Steel Shanks Walton and saying, saddle the horses. I want to go back. Yeah. And Steel Shanks is like, what? <laughs> and he's like, I left something at Heron Hall.
4: Yeah, so despite, and despite, despite only line. a few hours ago, yeah. uh, you know, he's feeling this real urgency to get back to Cersei. You know, maybe I can make the wedding I need to get back to, to the real woman I have at the Red Cape. All of a sudden, here's Jamie essentially choosing Brienne over Cersei, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he is. Um, and he bribes Shanks Walton into taking him back in the middle of the night.
1: Yeah, he's yeah. definitely... You know what's- em- this is one no, of the times where he's like really using his head this time, because he's saying, "Hey, I could tell, I I could tell my dad that Bolton chopped off my hand." And
4: yeah. I love you know. this,
1: yeah.
4: <laughs> and I love that he thinks of Tyrion beforehand. He's yeah. like, "What would Tyrion do?" What Tyrion, do? <laughs> Tyrion <laughs> would figure out a way. He would. <laughs> and what's really funny is I think Jamie talks about how. You know, he no longer has his hands, so he, he can't convince him with a, with a threat. I think he says a mm-hmm. smile and a threat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's what he ends up doing anyway, just in a different way. Mm-hmm. He does yeah. end up making a threat. It's just not, you know, to hurt him directly. And he, he smiles while he does it. So, oh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> he's still, <laughs> he's he's still never the same use, old Jamie.
3: He's never had to use that option before.
4: No, that's he's always right. had his
3: sword hand. He's always had that right. threat to back back it up that he can yeah. physically hurt Yeah, and but- it
4: is just more evidence that Jamie's not just a pretty face. He is actually a relatively quick thinker with problem-solving skills.
0: Hmm. He really is, yeah, because he takes to this whole thinking thing pretty quickly. He starts yeah. solving problems pretty quickly with he his He does, brain.
4: and there's more problem-solving coming up.
0: <laughs> there sure is. So <laughs> he makes them take him back, and he... um. Well, he seems surprised. They get back to Hall and, and they open the gates for him when he demands it. And um, he gets inside Hall. Oh, and, and
1: Jamie sprouts <laughs> a hand, right? As he's, like, screaming. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> That's yeah. one of the more infamous <laughs> mistakes. He
1: cups them together.
0: <laughs> yeah, he cups his hands together. Like George to the, temporarily for forgot two, that he only yeah, had one.
1: For two seconds, Jamie had
4: his hand back.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was like is, a dream. Is,
4: is it a dream? Yeah. <laughs> <But> what's more <laughs> awesome about that line is, you know, he cuts his hands to shout that he's going to kick down those damn doors if they don't let him in. He is Lord Command <laughs> Jamie Lannister, right there, people. He's really <laughs> He's going to get to his wench. He is
0: he so...
2: Is. I love it. He talks about how he, he, he like, pushes his horse so much harder yes. than he has. Cersei, I think yes. that's significant. Harder than he was pushing the horse to get to back get to, to, to Cersei. Cersei. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <Yep. laughs>
0: no, you can tell he's... It's interesting because he was, he was upset about Brienne the day before. He didn't like what he knew was probably happening at Hall but it's like suddenly he feels empowered to actually change it. It's funny that he didn't feel this. You almost get the feeling that he didn't think he could solve the problem. And then he just woke up and he was like, no, somehow we're going to solve this.
2: Somehow we're going to solve this because if he doesn't solve this, I feel like he felt a really strong compulsion after he has this dream and it sort of shows him this idea of him and Brienne sort of alone against the world and yeah. I just like he feels this really strong compulsion that he, he has to he has to get her and have her with him. It it just it's really important to him
4: all of a sudden. Mm. Yeah, it's I just completely true. agree with that Glam. I think that's yeah. true. We have like
1: this line like Have we come too late? His stomach did a lurch and he slammed his spurs into his horse, galloping across the outer ward beneath an arched stone bridge around the Wailing Tower and through the Flowstone Yard, they had her in the bear pit.
0: Oh, God, I love that. Love yeah. it. I love how worried he is. Yeah, so. He is so worried. He really is. And so he finds her, yeah, in the bear pit. The Bloody Mummers are all watching as Brienne is fighting a literal bear, an actual bear. <laughs> um, she's still wearing this awful dress that they put her in after the bath. Um, And when Jamie gets there, she's already been hurt by the bear. She's bleeding. The dress is in tatters. And um, it's funny. The first thing Jamie thinks is, oh, she needs more room to attack. He just immediately thinks she can handle this situation because she has a sword. Yeah, he he, he believes in the power of of the sword, Mm -hmm. you know. And he is. And Brienne really does. He actually believes
2: yeah. in
4: Brienne. <laughs> yeah. think he, so, she can, so long as she has a sword, he's seen what she can do. He yeah, truly d- believes in her ability to, to kill this bear with a sword. I think right. it's a he reflection
2: really on on the way he also he feels like he, if he has a sword, he can he he's fine. He can he can do anything. And I think it's interesting that he yeah. sort of feels the same way about Brienne, you know, as long as Brienne has a sword, she's fine.
4: And that's cool. I think that's, you know, continuing the motif, I guess, of them being a team and being the same mm-hmm. yeah.
1: well you know unlike the show whenever we see Brienne in the bear pit she has a wooden sword it clearly does not look like a real sword in the book <laughs> she's holding a tourney sword and with tourney swords they look like regular swords but they have yeah, absolutely they no do. edge they so, just I mean, yeah. yes I mean with him looking down there it looks like she's holding a real sword yeah,
0: yeah. he thinks she's got a real sword yeah, he's I like well she's she got her. this yes.
3: I think she's gonna have yeah, yeah, yeah. a chance to get out of there. Yeah, so he oh, yeah. he's
0: well it's funny, he throws in, I think this is such a big moment. Um, someone who is it? Is it Steel Shanks <laughs> calls her a wench? Yes! Yeah. Oh,
4: yeah. You know what? Her name is Brienne, okay? <laughs> Jamie.
0: Yeah, he says Brienne's famous line. Yeah. <laughs> Brienne's constantly insisting her name is Brienne, and now yeah. Jamie's saying it. Yeah. So Jamie starts trying to negotiate with Vargo to get him to pull her out of there. You know, I mean, he's not that worried about her. He thinks she's fine. <laughs> he thinks she's going to make it. Yeah. And Vargo uh, tells us something horrifying says that Brienne has bitten off his ear. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will later learn uh, that that was because he was trying to rape her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Brienne has had a really hard time since Jamie left Heron hall. Uh, anyway, Vargo is having none of this negotiation to get her out of there. So Jamie like turns around and starts like coaching Brian on how to kill this bear. He's like, you need to kill it this way. And then finally he realizes, uh, she doesn't have a real sword yeah, because she makes what should have been a killing blow and there's no blood. And so Jamie goes, I'll, I'll pay her ransom, whatever you want, get her out of there. And Vargo Hoke goes, uh, you want her? You go get her. And Jamie does. And so There's he did. So no that. thought. Love her. Jamie jumps in the bear pit with her. Yeah. And I- sorry, who I was just gonna say,
4: me? I think it's I-, I love this and so he did line for a start. Yes. <laughs> I think that's
0: we all do, I think.
4: Um, <laughs> but you know, it's funny, as you say, he really is just then acting instinctually. He, as soon as he realises Brienne has no real means of killing the bear, he just acts as Jamie tends to do. He doesn't stop to think about how he no longer has a oh, sword. So hand. He doesn't, impulsive. Yeah, he's so <laughs> impulsive. He knows what he needs to do is just get between Brienne and that bear.
2: Yeah. He, yeah. he he has – and an interesting thing is a lot of people seem to assume that he's like, oh, yeah, well, I will force them to kill the bear by doing – but yeah. he's not thinking yeah. that. There's, there's no yeah. thought oh, there at all.
4: There I mean, what's, uh, what's, what's interesting about that is even if Jamie did have <laughs> some sort of plan or, or, or hadn't had the assumption that Steel Shanks and his men would intervene – Um, it's still a huge risk. There's, you know, it's hard to take down a bear, especially at distance. And even if Jamie knew that the, the archers would fire, there's absolutely no guarantee that the bear wouldn't completely rip Jamie and Brienne to shreds first.
2: Very, very true. But I also I, I also but I still just think it's kind of a moot point because he literally jumps yeah. in, literally yeah. thinks yeah. Okay, yeah. what the yeah. hell
1: do
0: he's I do now? I think, I
1: think that <laughs> really just stems a lot of people say that because at the very end of this chapter he's pretty much saying, Yeah, I knew yes. that y'all were gonna kill the bear But yeah, I, but I think that's yeah, he's I
4: think, just yeah, Jamie it yeah, that's just J. I J. think J. he
0: might have come up with a strategy, but I think he was in the pit already when he yeah. came yeah, up. With yeah, it may have come to him later. <laughs> he does make her get behind him. And yeah. I think maybe that's because he knows that will work, but
2: like he's, yeah, yeah, I
0: think he was already I, down there. I mean he, when when he, he figured he, it out.
2: Maybe after he was down there. You're right. He might have of yeah, something. That's but true. literally when he jumps down there, he actually has a thought, Okay, what in the seven house do I do now? Yeah,
0: yeah. And that's that's just, so we get, so get a moment here that is another one of my Favourite Jamie and Brienne moments, which is that they fight over who's going to be I in front know,
4: of whom. Yeah. <laughs> he, um, he tells her to get behind him and then there's this amazing exchange, this bantery exchange, which is so characteristic of them, which is, what are you doing here? And he says, something stupid, get behind <laughs> me. And then she said, you get behind, I have the sword. And then he says, a sword with no point and no edge. Get behind me. Yeah, it's just, oh, God, I love those
0: stupid babies. Oh, they're so stupid. I <laughs> love them so much. Oh, and I missed it. She actually like, is like Kingslayer <gasps> yeah. when she first sees yeah. him. He's like, and he immediately just goes, oh, yeah. Jamie, <laughs> just love me for who I am. <laughs> he actually said it out loud this time he instead did. of just thinking it. And
4: I love that even despite the fact that she calls him Kingslayer, he's still trying to, he's darndest to get her behind him to save her. Yeah.
0: Oh, <laughs> so he does. And they kill the poor bear. They do. But not for whom I feel Jamie. So much pity.
2: straddles Brienne.
0: Yeah. He's- oh,
4: yes. I like that, yeah, amidst <laughs> all the terrible danger, the potential death, George still manages to fit in some sexual imagery with, with uh, Jamie straddling Brienne. I wonder, you
1: know, know, with all the added stress of this, I bet he got a boner.
0: <laughs> did you oh, ask dude. your husband
4: about it? If, well, if, you were being, if you were being attacked by well, a bear hubby. Exactly. I haven't asked boner. that question. I haven't asked
1: that question today. He's never he's never come into contact with a bear, so
4: <laughs> I don't know that Glam listened to last week's podcast, so she's unaware of the fact that Eon did some uh, some research into awkward boners by asking <laughs> oh, her oh
0: husband. My <laughs> Oh, well, that's this podcast in a nutshell.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no divorce papers were filed.
4: All, good. all right. good. I'm glad to okay.
0: hear that. Yeah. So they kill the bear. And yeah. Jamie and Brianne survive. Yay! Uh, and they pull yeah. him out. And they still have to kind of convince Vargo to let him go. But you can tell it's going to happen. Yeah. And, oh, we get another iconic line. There's you... so many big yeah. lines in this chapter.
2: Oh, I also like uh, what happens right here is that Steel Shanks is like, okay, we're taking cool. the winch. And he again. says again, yeah. her, says again. <laughs> her name is Brienne.
0: Her name is Brienne. And then
4: that leads into, I think, what Chicky's about to talk about. Yes. Which is Brienne, the maid of Tarth. You are still a maiden, I hope. Yeah. And, you know, oh, despite the fact that Brienne has endured, I don't even know how much trauma over the last few weeks, she blushes at the thought of Jamie asking her if she's still a maiden because
0: <laughs> that is. Because she's Brienne.
4: That's Brienne, yeah. And then, you know, she tells him, yes, she's still a maiden.
0: Yeah, and he's like, oh, a good.
4: a yeah.
0: I only rescue maidens. Oh, Jamie. Oh, God. <laughs> he's got to be just a smart ass at every turn. Oh,
4: <laughs> every turn it's just and again it's jamie i think just being very casual about something that matters really a great deal to him he's mm-hmm. sort of just trying to play it off he was yeah he's trying to make sure so she's funny. okay he's like how, how bad
0: was it yeah yeah oh <laughs> oh god brianne man brianne is such a beast it is amazing what she survives
4: Yeah. <laughs> And yet, is still so shy about it. all things oh. sexual, especially in relation to Jamie, the half oh, god who just saved her life again.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, Brienne. So, they they get away. Vargo lets them go, and they they ride away from Heron Hall pretty fast because they're a little bit worried, obviously. And yeah. still, Shanks is just chewing Jamie out like you're such an idiot um, for jumping in barehanded into the bear pit lots of bears um (laughs) and brienne once steel shanks is done with jamie and rides away brienne asks jamie and she calls him sir jamie and she says i am grateful but you were well away why come back and i don't know about you guys but like just knowing brienne you just know that there's so much genuine curiosity behind this question because <laughs> she sure won't know why it
4: takes her a long time to sort of oh, ask yes. her about it too so you can tell that she's sort of sitting on it and ruminating on it and just well, wondering
0: why why on earth would yeah this man well, she waits until they're alone it almost seems like, like yeah she does around them
2: yeah
0: mm-hmm. and sorry eon were you gonna say something i cut oh, you off she
1: why did? got it <laughs> why do you... oh, okay
0: yeah <laughs> why do you stole it sorry i mean you know (laughs) it so we get we get another and perhaps the most iconic Mm -hmm. line which is jamie after she says that he he his first instinct is naturally to totally mock her because he's jamie yeah um but somehow he stifles it and um he just shrugs and he says i dreamed of you
4: tells you the the truth (laughs) yeah and if that isn't a sort of classic romantic kind of response oh, there yeah,
2: i don't oh know God. what it is i mean everything about the entire bear pit rescue is i mean obviously uh <laughs> george r martin he he has his own twist on 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 things but everything about the bear pit rescue is is a, almost over the top and it's it's sort of classic oh. kind of heroic trope you know heroic yeah, romantic trope in the night and he comes riding in and and it was uh, and you know uh uh yd and i were talking about this before i was going to be on the podcast so
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know it,
2: you guys i,
0: didn't I wouldn't know yell it. at you anyway so
2: go ahead <laughs> <laughs> i was like like it was, was it even a white horse like it and yeah. i think we <laughs> decided that it wasn't described I but we're just gonna was gonna assume,
4: yeah.
2: we were going to assume we, it was a white horse yeah. Over we were, we were, top.
4: i went back and checked to see if the color was described. It wasn't. So yeah, Glenn and I are just going to assume that he came riding in, you nice know. on a white horse, <laughs> yeah,
2: and and you know jumps into the pit and and it's just yeah. and puts himself in between her. And obviously, it has this little twist because obviously, you know, she she's not a fair maiden. She's you know yeah. tall and ugly and and mannish and and she looks ridiculous and she's very fierce and is fighting the bear herself and does not want to let him get between her and the bear. But yeah. you know, it's just it's it's so over the top. And it's it's sort of the the romantic tropes going on there, and it's like he he it's he doesn't write that kind of thing in this series, and he certainly doesn't write that sort of thing for like any other characters. It's just like it's just <laughs> them where he just suddenly just kind of explodes all of these you know ridiculous over the top classic romantic yeah. fantasy things everywhere, and it's just it's,
0: it's it a lot. really does. <laughs> this is just it. like. This whole chapter is like a swashbuckler almost. Well, the mm-hmm. second half, yeah. anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. It's like an old Errol Flynn movie or just something, you know, completely <laughs> yeah, over the top. <laughs> yeah.
2: I just remember when I, the first time I ever read this, uh, all those years ago, and I was, of course, quite young. And then I just remember, just like when when he he goes back and when he jumps in, and he says, you know all this, and I'm just like cheering the entire time. I'm like reading through this because that's that's what it, it that's what it evokes. That's the kind of thing that it is it's written that way and you know he he kind of has a comeback for everything and he's being you know clever and 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 snarky
0: and it's just it's written for you to just be like
2: yes this is an amazing thing yeah it is one of the
0: few like undisputably like triumphant moments yes exactly it's just so triumphant and uplifting and like yay he rescues her and
2: (laughs) it's so it's really not characteristic of of the way that the rest of the books are and yeah yeah. i think it's just really interesting
4: it's one one sort of truly uh i guess positive uplifting moment amidst Mm -hmm. all the uh dark and despair yes yes
2: yes it's it's just really interesting and i always think about that when people are because you know people some
0: people (laughs) tend to (laughs) are you making air quotes right now glam yes Uh (laughs) Maybe.
2: Um, they tend to sort of be like, "Well, oh, Jamie and Brienne, the idea of that is just—it's so you know—it's—it's it's, it's, this is not that kind of, of book, you know, and that's just too overly romantic and fanciful." And I'm like, "Okay, but did you read this chapter?" Because
4: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, he, it's there. He he pulled out all the romantic, fanciful stuff right there for them and only for them. So, oh,
0: these two. Oh. Does anyone <sighs> have anything else? This is this is a big chapter. I mean,
2: we we could double back and go through the dream like line by oh, line God. if we wanted. We oh, but- could. <laughs> oh, there that is dream. there is one line of Brienne's in the dream that I really like when when um. Uh Jamie is like, "Oh yeah, you know, I'll fight you all, you know, but but who's going to fight who's who's going to yeah. fight the witch?" You know, she she gets upset. <laughs> she gets cross when you leave her out. And, and, which is just so, oh my god, Jamie, you dork. But <laughs> I also love that you know uh Brienne kind of says to to I believe it's Arthur Dane who she sort of says this to and and she's like, "You know, I swore an oath to protect him. I swore a holy oath." And it's just mm. I love it. It's I don't know for some reason I just really like that whole I swore holy oath thing. I don't
4: yeah, know. It's, it's, it shows because this is in Jamie. Well, is it? This is is this Jamie's thoughts? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it just if it is Jamie thinking, it shows that yes, he really does see Brienne as someone he can rely on. Mm-hmm, um, he, you know, he he can't rely on Cersei anymore, obviously, because she's left him in the dark. There's only Brienne there. Yeah,
2: it's just he it it, it indicates if this is Jamie's thoughts that he very much <laughs> believes in her integrity and in her Absolutely. adherence to the idea that she really will protect him. She, that she is his protector as he, as he told, as he Kyber. has said
4: before. Yeah. As he
2: said before that she really is his protector. She really yeah. is dedicated to that. And yeah. I just really like that. And, and you know, if it, if it isn't only Jamie's thoughts, it, <laughs> you know, I, I uh, Holy oath makes you think about a lot of a lot of things.
0: It does. Yeah. Mm, it does. It does bring back some memories. Some things. So- <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Well, the kind we made it. We holy- made it through the bear pit, guys. Holy oath will wow. cool make. <laughs> <laughs> we need that next book. Damn it. Oh
1: yes, we need
0: everybody. it. All right. So who has thank yous? Eon. I-, I got them. You want to haul them out?
1: I sure can. My first one. Is from our lovely moderator that's on hiatus.
0: Oh Lot <laughs> we miss you. I, know.
1: We do miss you. I
0: went overtime again, Lot. We need you.
1: <laughs> she did tell me to read this verbatim. It was
0: a threat. <laughs> no no Jody voice this time. No
1: Jody voice.
0: She wants me to read all of
1: it. So here we go. She says, Hello, my lovelies. I think I echo what everyone else has said This podcast was one of the best Hilarious and wonderful A few things I enjoyed Gal giving a list of Breanne's physical attributes That Jamie thought of Although she was a total dude And forgot to mention her eyes I hear they are astonishing (laughs) Clotho was hilarious And I was so bummed To have missed her as a guest She better come back
4: Yes, she better.
1: Chicky did a bang up job as Maud again this week. Seriously, stop doing so well. Dot dot dot. Don't make stop me. Stop being so
0: generous, lot.
1: <laughs> Don't make me bust a kneecap or punch a vocal cord or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a lot line.
1: Why, yeah. Hilarious as ever. I think my favorite part of this podcast was her saying, "Is it your husband coming in with divorce papers?" <laughs> I can't remember ever laughing that hard listening to a podcast (sighs) and now this brings me to Miss Eon who absolutely slaughtered my last email (laughs) when she read the thank yous last week I screamed I did not say that (laughs) I don't even know how many times that is the last time I email you cunts (laughs) well except for this now this one now seriously good job hating hiatus lot
4: oh we love you lot. we We love you you lot
1: okay my next one is actually from cynically romantic 18 she actually submitted one right around the time we were actually recording our podcast last tuesday i'm just gonna go through hers right now but she says hey guys once again loving the podcast although I miss a lot y'all are doing an awesome job keeping the podcast going I love everyone's sexy accents and Rose Hart was a great addition to last week's episode that oh, was she
0: was yes she thank, thank you, you cynically. Phonically.
1: Thank you. Our next, our next one is from Seven Griffins, and she says Jamie Five was the funniest episode yet. Have been listening to the podcast since episode four, and you guys have such great insight into A Song of Ice and Fire. Thank you for brightening up my day each week, and keep up the great work.
0: Oh, thank you.
1: Very sweet. Thank you. All right. Um. Next is so hard to leave you, Brienne. Hey, sweeties, you your last podcast was perfect and hilarious as always. Your analysis are always so interesting and exactly what I had in mind. I love that one of you said what one of you said about Brienne scrubbing her skin hard because of the fact that maybe um Qyburn examined her earlier.
0: And oh, That was you, Eon. Yeah,
1: that was me. Thanks. Um, it was just maybe a guess. <laughs> it could have <laughs> happened. Um, but um, uh, and all you said about Jamie going to the bath with Brian because he feels safe with her, etc., it makes me ship them harder if, the, if it's that possible. <laughs> you, you rock. Lots of kisses. Aw. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Uh, theater, theater music bookworm, Tori, says, Jamie could use a hand. I think I said that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I snorted so loud I woke up the dog. Well done, Uh ladies. (laughs) Once again, you have managed to reduce me to a simpering puddle of giggles. I loved hearing Gal and Clotho in addition to the usuals this week. This was a chapter I've been looking forward to you all to dissect from the beginning, and I was not disappointed. Keep up the good work.
0: Thank you, Tori.
1: Thank you, Tori. Next is Percula. And she says, hi, I just wanted to send a thank you since I've been listening to your podcast for a while and they are fantastic, but the latest one was simply perfect. The best part was Eon's research about the boners. Thank God I was listening home <laughs> <laughs> because laughing that much anywhere else would have been inappropriate. Anyway, I loved it and I hope you ladies will keep up the good work. Violetta. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad you thought that was funny. I think glad, we all thought that I'm, was funny I'm glad my husband has a sense of humor too honestly we're all glad yeah. me too yeah
0: uh, I, is that I'm, it for thank yous
1: just two more just a, okay. a short one from Anonymous talking about the boner was awesome please talk about it again in the week in the next podcast
0: <laughs> Don't worry, there will I be believe Jamie had else. an awkward
1: boner in his dream in this <laughs> next chapter I hope we delivered on that I think we covered a little bit of boner we did, if not we
0: we'll t- make up for it at some point yeah we Why did we say, talked we talked about the we ball. touched
2: on it i don't you touched, touched on, on
1: it <laughs> I, I, I heard it i heard it <laughs> i don't think YD said cock this time though
0: sorry so Eon did. Yeah.
1: maybe next week all right and and rose heart she sent us an awesome email it's it's a very long email but i was just going to cover some a little bit of highlights on it, but um she says that I loved every single minute of the last podcast. I've been waiting for this chapter and I knew it was going to be brilliant, but this was beyond what I had expected. It made my whole week. And she says Chickie did an amazing job moderating YD's dramatic reading on on how my new favorite was see, whitey's dramatic readings are one of my new favorite parts of the podcast. Mine too Yeah, I love it (laughs) I wish that Y.D. would do like the Rocky Horror Picture Show Because I think that she'd be really good (laughs) Dr. Frankenfurter (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry Okay, she also says E.ON. delved deep this time Asking the questions we all wanted to know I could not stop laughing and imagining the conversation <laughs> about random boners with your husband. Eon, I'm going to start a petition for a husbands of the podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> we have talked about this is in talks. I mean but, yeah, stay you know, tuned. Yeah. Um, she says that I love that she listed all of with she loved with the thing she liked about Guile was that she loved that she listed all of Jamie's descriptions of Brienne. It was great to see GS back since she was a joy to listen to the last time she was on the show.
3: It was. She
1: was great. She, was we she really it liked that. it. was nice hearing from Clotho and she it did was. not disappoint. Yeah. Nope. Um <laughs> I I burped. Yes, even though we didn't get any Italian <laughs> typing, we got that burp and it made up. We, anyway, did. Right?
0: <laughs> it totally did. we love you Clotho. <laughs>
1: we do. <laughs> yes, we love you Clotho and your laugh. Gosh, your laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And, um, I also fangirled my brains out about how Gio- George R. R. Martin met his wife I had no idea you're all smart and funny and Jody likes that in a woman uh, uh,
2: uh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that could have made this even better was Lot we miss you and yes we,
0: yeah. we all
4: miss Lot oh we do miss she, Lot
0: by the way Lot will be back
4: not next week but the week after
0: Yes. Yay. Thank you Roseheart That was thank an awesome. You Rose- yeah, thank you Rose.
4: Thank you Rose.
0: Is that all the thank yous? That's it. Thanks so much guys for all the thank yous. Yeah. Uh, we, we really we we really
4: do appreciate them.
0: Mm-hmm. Um and we also love iTunes reviews if anybody wants to throw us one. If, if we have anyone left who hasn't thrown us one so far. <laughs> um and I have completely forgotten for the last two weeks, but I'm going to remember this week. Um, you can find us on Tumblr at close and dot And you can also email us at close and at gmail.com. And we love to hear from you guys. We love to hear anything and everything.
4: We really do.
0: And I've got to give special thank yous for this episode. First of all, Cora, who you guys don't realize this, but she actually woke up in the middle of the night yeah. to do this podcast, she and did. we are so happy she did. Awesome. Thank, Thank you, you so much, me, Cora, Cora, for being here. And then we have to give special thanks to Glam, you guys. She actually jumped in at the actual last minute. It was like, like literally five minutes 30 before seconds. we started recording. Yes.
4: Glam, I, actually now owe, I now actually owe Glam my firstborn child.
0: <laughs> glam, glam is it. the definition of a good sport. She just yeah, she jumped is. in.
2: Glam
0: is much, Glam.
4: And she did an amazing job without any preparation yes. at all. She did. So I've been preparing
2: we... for this my
0: entire life. You <laughs> have, <laughs> actually. This is awesome. True, true. This was your moment to shine. <laughs> glam starts <time> to shine. <laughs> All the thought you've put into this. There was a reason. <laughs> <laughs> so next week, we're going to actually cover two chapters. We're doing um, Still a Storm of Swords, but Jamie Chapter 7 and Jamie Chapter 8, if you guys want to follow along. I hear so there's some kind of
4: sept scene in that Um, Yeah,
0: there, there may be some sept sex coming up. Um, turns out. Maybe done right. Maybe. <laughs> Just, <laughs> well, we'll see. Let's, let's oh, leave God, that. There's going to be so much <laughs> ranting next week.
4: yeah
0: (laughs) so thanks for tuning in everybody and we'll see you all next week good night everyone good night thank you Bye. bye